Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy, and I'm joined by my two best friends, as ever. Vito Doria is here, and I'm sure he's happier than most weeks. Vito, hello. How are you? Uh, look, I'm good, Connor. Um, although my team did not have the best results, um, to quote Abba, in this stage, I feel like I win when I lose. <laughs> Are you just trying to have you got like a personal competition with yourself where you're trying to do quote song lyrics for the rest of the season? N- not necessarily. I just thought I'd add something a little bit different. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I appreciate it. I appreciate the diversity. Uh, speaking of diversity, look at Kev Pogzelski's face. Kev, hello. Yes, hi. All uh, done. Clean shaven, had a haircut, a little concerned with Vito's choice in musical taste. Uh, but pleased to be uh, how was your face feeling uh not too bad actually the uh the wife stares at me a lot uh, mm, i can see why you've not got a normal face so uh no but uh it, it's like she's she's just checking i'm not an intruder i think um, <laughs> could say some things in response to that but i'll choose not to um there's been a more football guys hasn't there there has always. What did you think of it generally? What did you think? Good, bad, indifferent? Uh, lackluster, if uh. I choose a few words. Well, there's not a lot left to decide, is there? So I suppose the natural place, quite uncharacteristically, to start is at the very, very bottom. Well, not quite the very bottom, but you know what I mean. We're talking about the relegation fight to begin with because. There were two games which mattered. Sassuolo hosted Genoa. Genoa obviously just above the bottom three. And Lecce went to Udinese. Lecce obviously just in the bottom three. 
So Swallow thumped Genoa 5-0 and Lecce came from behind to beat Udinese 2-1. Kev to send the fight against the drop until the last day of the season. Yay. Um, well, yeah, yay if you're not writing the season review for Genoa and you wanted them safe so you could get it done. <laughs> um, also, uh, I have a soft spot for for Genoa as a city and I'd like both clubs to still be in Serie A next year. Um, and although we're sort of looking at a Sassuolo side that are extremely hard to stop scoring, um, I would have liked a little bit more fight from Genoa um, given how close they are to the uh, to the bottom. Now just one point ahead of Lecce going into those final games, which I think they are both at home. Genoa facing Verona. And I have now forgot who Lecce. Yeah, Lecce hosts Parma, Genoa hosts Verona. So they're both dead rubbers for the away sides. Yeah, and... Um, well, I suppose it, which which makes it interesting. Just I'm not, I'm not sure I've got confidence in either side. We'll capitalise on the the sides that they're playing, having nothing to play for. Um, mm. They both seem capable of shooting themselves in the foot. So uh, it adds a little bit of intrigue and interest to the final weekend. Yeah, well, we'll we'll start with the, the Sassuolo Genoa game because Kev, you rightly said that Sassuolo can be quite difficult to stop scoring. I mean, someone very knowledgeable on this podcast has written about them this season to say that you should always watch them because they score quite a lot of goals. Um, I don't know who that was, but uh, I remember he's a regular on this pod anyway. But Vito, you must have been watching this kind of rubbing your hands together because this was... Genoa reverted to their early season selves because since January, there have been some exceptions like against Parma. But generally speaking, Genoa have been a little more solid at the back. But I mean, on what day is it? Wednesday evening, they completely collapsed. Yeah, it was a pretty huge collapse too, and it is rather similar to what they had been experiencing before Davide Nicola took over as coach. Um, they had that purple patch early on where they brought in some new signings like Maciello and Sumaro in defence, but uh, now they don't look like a team that's really that hungry to fight for Serie A survival. Perhaps they put too many eggs in the derby basket and were happy to get some temporary city bragging rights, but they haven't brought that form into other games. So, And and not only that, against a team like Sassuolo that play this swashbuckling football, um, Nicola should have been better prepared and the team should have had a lot more focus. Whereas, uh, you know, it's given Lecce some hope that they could actually survive. Kev, how does a team that's fighting for their lives lose 5-0 on the penultimate round of fixtures against a team who have nothing to play for? Yeah, I don't even think that it matters that it's the... You know, we're going if, if, say, uh, Genoa go down, we're going to look at this result and say this was the one because it, you know, it got them within a, an arm's reach of, of Lecce. But, but actually... Even if this had come maybe two or three rounds ago, it would have given me concerns because it's just the level of collapse when, you know, you they are playing someone with nothing to play for, albeit away from home. And just how there's there's not even sort of after conceding the first goal a significant period of time really that the, the goals kind of just keep on flowing. It felt until probably the, the sort of latter stages by then, 
where, where Sassuolo were probably um, taking pity on them. Um, so yeah, I think I think Genoa fans need to be a little worried that they're not going to be able to um, reverse this, given how quickly the next game is coming around as well. Yeah, Vito, if you can remove your Lucia Catti colours just for a moment, Genoa do host Verona at the weekend at the same time, obviously, Sunday evening, quarter to nine, as Lecce play Parma. Do you give the Griffoni any hopes of getting all three points and ensuring survival? I'm not going to rule them out completely, but it's certainly not going to be easy. Although Elas Verona haven't got anything to play for now, they are still a team that's uh, well-organised and uh, they're not easy to beat. Where general might be fortunate is that uh, Verona have had some absentees uh, recently. So if that's... Um, you know, if general can capitalise on that and uh, uh, Pandev and Schoen and they got something up their sleeve, then... It is possible, but I think it's also crucial that you know, Perrin makes some vital saves, uh, Krishito and the other defenders, they make some really key interventions because, uh, yeah, it's not going to be easy. And, yeah, I'm just looking at the team Verona had against Spal, and they were missing Amir Rachmani and uh, Marash Kumbula, and Kumbula's been a sensation this season. So, you know, uh, OK, against Spal... Now, Spal already relegated, so uh, Verona would not have been under too much pressure. But against Genoa, and with players like Schoener and Pandev, and if uh, Pinamonti can help them out, then uh, you know, uh, I think it'd be risky to write off Genoa. Yeah, well, we should say that Lecce are just one point behind Genoa at the moment. So, of course, if Genoa lose and Lecce draw, they finish level on points, but... Genoa do have the head-to-head advantage because the two games between the sides this season season finished 2-2 in Puglia. And then, of course, very, very recently, but probably about six game weeks ago now, Genoa won 2-0 at the Marassi in not controversial fashion, but slightly um, unconventional fashion, the way they scored their second goal. But Kev Lecce host Parma. They got the win tonight and they had to do it the difficult way at Udine. They went 1-0 down. Didn't do themselves any favours, but they got the job done. Yeah, it was uh, one of those places where you think you just think about it. This time last week, we were uh, watching Udinese uh, down the champions elect to stop them winning the the title uh, one game before they eventually did. Um, and it, it's almost—I was going to say—it's exactly to form, but it's it, it's what Lecce seem to be doing picking points up where they're unexpected and wasting opportunities where you would have thought they would have got themselves a bit closer to uh to general or just safety in general earlier this season um maybe Udinese thought that uh, they're better off with uh with Lecce in the league next year fighting with them for relegation than Genoa because uh they didn't seem to show the same type of appetite that they had against Juve all right, well, in a word, who's staying up, Kev? Genoa or Lecce? Um, I think Genoa might do it drawn on points um, with the uh, the head-to-head. I think okay. Genoa will lose, but Lecce will draw. Do you understand what a word is? Uh, yes, but uh, when do I listen to you? What's your Twitter handle again? <laughs> uh, indeed. <laughs> For those who don't know, it's at 
rabbit rabbit on for a reason. Vito, in a word, who stays up, Genoa or Leicester? Genoa. Oh, the, did you see his face when he said that, Kev? No, because he paused when you... <laughs> he froze even. Oh, okay. So can you see me right now? Uh, no, I can't see you. I can see Vito licking his lips. Um, I'm not licking my lips. You were about half an <laughs> hour. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll, I will take a photo and, uh, and add it to my... Anyway, 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 let's move on, guys. Because like I said, there's not actually all that much at the top end to talk about because everything was done and dusted. So we'll start with the game. I'll say start. We'll move on next to the game that I was at because it was quite entertaining, eventually. Um, Parma hosted Atalanta, the final game at the Tardini this season. Dejan Kluzewski's final home game at the Tardini. He put Parma 1-0 up. Atalanta didn't come out in the first half. Atalanta came from behind to win. Um, and Vito, Atalanta do what we, we know they do. They completed another comeback to win. Yeah, they they did, and uh, yeah, you'd have to think that you know the game that was only two one. You'd think for both sides there probably could have been more goals, but uh, I think this game is probably about um, yeah two protagonists for both sides. I mean, uh, eventually the Dukali lost, but uh, Kulusevski had a fantastic game. The goal he scored was a bit of a scrappy one, but he had another chance to score another fine goal early on and then you know um ladea they made the comeback and then it took a piece of magic from papu gomez to win the game for the bergamaski yeah well right that that moment from papu gomez kev look we we all know what he's capable of but sometimes he does something that you don't even expect from him and to do that in the 85th minute when he looked dead from the fifth was was remarkable. I, I don't want to focus on that specifically. As good as it was, I'll just say he picked the ball up, what, 40 yards from goal in the 85th minute, ran straight at the heart of Parma's defence, who which was packed by now because they had brought on everyone to just pack the box. Um, nutmegged former teammate Yasmin Kurtic on the edge of the box and then smashed it in with his left foot from the edge to, to seal the points. But Papa Gomez... He's a serious, serious contender, if not front runner, front runner for Serie A player of the season this year, surely. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you can't even discredit him with, you know, if, At- if Atlanta don't win a win a win a trophy, um, because you know the only other real domestic trophy that Juventus don't usually pick up is the Coppa Italia, which has been won by a, a Napoli side that had no standout performers. Um, and we spoke about it before that the the, um, the Bergamaschi have been the the standout performers long before probably the lockdown, and uh, he's what sort of I was going to say knits them together. Obviously, Ilicic plays a, a role doing that as well, but he he's clearly the man they look to. You know, eighty five minutes, like you say, dead on dead on his feet. Although I, w- I will say that um, Atalanta did what they do a lot. Um, as another size tiring, they still look relatively full of running. Um, and he got, he got, he did get a bit of luck with the goal where it clipped the heels of Kurtic as it uh, megged him and kind of it, it allowed him to run around and then take the strike. But, um, 
yeah, you can't think of many others um, that, have, that have done what he's done over the course of the entire season. Um, we spoke last week about Dybala's impact to, to Juve's title. But yeah, over the course of the season, I think uh, he would certainly get my vote unless someone could uh, argue a stronger case from elsewhere. Uh, I mean, it'd be hard to. He's got 16 assists this season and seven goals of his own. That just doesn't happen. And I mean, the assists aren't the only chances he's creating either. He puts the ball on a plate for his teammates so often and they do miss quite a lot of chances. For all the goals they score, they could have like thrice as many if they put them all away. But no, he's a phenomenon. Vito, uh, uh, same question for you. I think Papu is someone who I tend to talk about a lot on the podcast, but I rarely give you two the chance to, to praise. So would you have him as your player of the season as well? I would simply because of his overall influence on the Atalanta team. Um, we talk about how he scored those goals and provided an abundance of assists. And he just creates that presence in that team. Uh, despite his uh, diminutive stature, he is that guy with the experience, the quality, and uh, he does have that shrewd football brand as well. So uh, for all the praise we've given Gasparini in the past, for his system, his philosophy and all that, um, Papo Gomez is the guy that pretty much runs the show on the pitch. So I would give him the... Uh, yeah, play of the season, and uh, yeah, my second place would be Chiro Immobile for the abundance of goals he scored for Lazio. But uh, yeah, with uh, Immobile, um, as important as his goals have been for the Bianco Celesti, uh, there are times where he can have off games, and also, um, although he's important for the goal scoring feats, um, I don't think he's that sort of presence in that squad in the same way Papu is. I think. Papu is more influential in the whole build-up in the play, whereas uh, Immobile, being an out-and-out striker, is more the guy that puts the icing on the cake for the Aquile. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. I think I don't think there is any player in Serie A as important to the team as Papu is to this Atalanta side. and He just keeps showing it. He keeps adapting and changing. But on the other side, you did have the player that, despite being on the losing side, was the focus of what I wrote this week, uh, Dejan Kruzevski. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm very, very, very disappointed that that was the last time I'll, I'll see him play it at home for Parma because there have been a few things I've enjoyed more this season um, than watching Kruzevski play every week. He is an absolute joy and the opening line of my, my piece was that Dejan Kuluzewski deserved more from his final home appearance at the Tardinian. Again, he was phenomenal. Atalanta started with three centre-backs in, in Palomino Caldara and Sutalo. All three got taken off. And Palomino went off injured, but Kuluzewski had given him the runaround before that. Sutalo went over, Kuluzewski destroyed him. And every time Caldara got near him, Kuluzewski just skipped by and embarrassed him as well. But he is an absolute phenomenon. And as Kev has just like brought attention to in the chat, there was a moment where he controlled the ball with like the back of his head. And I have absolutely no doubt, having seen him play in the flesh at home 18 times this season, and that's not counting the away times I've seen him as well, 
I've absolutely no doubt he meant it. He's, he's magic. There was a nutmeg on Robin Gosens as well. Uh, he's just an absolute phenomenon. An absolute phenomenon. And I'm really, really going to miss him, Kev. I, I, I think, uh, just to, on your point about the control, I actually think he was trying to duck. Um, but, you know, it was still ingenious to do that because, I don't know, other players might halt their stride and sort of try and step aside of the ball or, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, uh, the, the Kulisewski's really, really impressed me um, to the point at which uh, we were doing our uh, team of the seasons um, for, for the site. And I, I sort of, I put him in my front three, uh, possibly ahead of Ronaldo. Don't shoot me, Juventus fans. Um, but then, you know, talking of Juventus, I, I, it, it just worries me. You think you get really excited watching him play, thinking, oh, you know, how much further can this lad go? And then you realise, oh, he's going to Juventus. You know, you don't get that, that, that usual feeling of like, oh, I wonder who'd come in for him. I, I wonder if he, you know, if, if a side from outside of Italy might, might come and take him and, and pick him up. And, and you just, I just hope he doesn't go the way of many other players that are picked up too young by big clubs, not just Juventus. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they utilise him next year. I do. I take your point, but I do think he's an exception because, I mean, the statistics bear that out as they are, right? I'm just going to read some of the things that Opta sent us after, after the game, which is that Kuluzewski is the first foreign player to score double digits in a Serie A season before the age of 21 since Mauro Icardi and Eric Lamella, two pretty good players. Edin Kuluzewski is one of only four players in Europe born this century. Um, to score double digits this season. The company he's in, Mason Greenwood, Manchester United, Erling Haaland and Jadon Sancho, pretty elite talent. And he's got 10 goals and 8 assists this season, making him responsible for 18 goals. It's the, the highest number of goals a Palma player has been involved in since 2004. Normal players don't hit those levels, even normal promising young players don't hit those levels. And something that I think separates Kuluzewski from most normal young players, I say normal, most talented young players, is his mentality. And you can see it every time he plays. Just like, I mean, follow the kid on social media. He is a winner. And he is just going to fit into that Juve team so, so well. He never stops running. He covers a ridiculous amount of ground. It doesn't matter if it's in the first minute or the 91st minute. He is the freshest set of legs on the pitch, irrespective of what substitutes have come on. Um, he's a Swedish kid, and he's playing in 40-degree heat now. And he's still destroying people in the 93rd minute, as we saw against Atalanta on Tuesday. And on top of that, he's just got this incredible competitive edge to him. There, there was a moment at the end where he got the ball on the byline and beat a couple of Atalanta players, squared it, and Dermaku came in and shot, and his shot was blocked. Kuluzewski was fuming. Bearing in mind, this is a game that meant nothing for Parma. Kuluzewski just, just attacked. One of the advertising hoardings around the pitch completely destroyed it, and you could hear him shout, but He's, he's a special, special talent, Kevin. I do completely take the point, but I have absolutely no doubt that he is ready for, for this step up. 
Do you know what the downside to everything that you've just sort of rattled off there? Go on. Is that it's just going to make Juve even stronger. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that confidence you've got in, in how far he can go, wouldn't it be nice if he'd strength, strengthened one of their challenges? You know, yeah. if, if Atalanta had kept hold of him, if he'd gone to Inter, if he'd gone to Milan, I don't know. It's like, unfortunately, yeah, that's the other thing. You think, oh, okay, good. Then he's probably, he's talented enough that he's not going to, he's not going to have a wasted career sort of trying to break in or being given bit parts in the Juve side, but they're just going to get stronger and stronger. I do agree with that. And I do think he is just going to take them up another level, especially if Sarri's there as well, because he fits so nicely into that style. But yeah, it's annoying. I I do want to address, a lot of people keep thinking, oh, he's going to go on to be the next Bernadeschi. He's not Federico Bernadeschi. Um, Kudoszewski, honestly, watch him. A lot of people are commenting on him, having seen Palmer play three times this season. I've seen him play (laughs) probably more in the flesh than than anyone. particularly anyone from the English-speaking media. And I, I promise you, he's twice the player that Bernadeschi was when he left Fiorentina. He's three times the player Bernadeschi is now. But yeah, Kev, I do take the point. And if you look at the team that sold him, right, Atalanta, he's, he's a perfect replacement for Ilicic. And Ilicic has got quite a serious health issue, which is going to see him out of the rest of the season now as well. He would slot into that team so perfectly because he has all the technical ability, the creativity, the vision, and he's also got the the discipline and the work ethic that Gasparini demands as well. It is quite strange that it never quite worked for him there, and Gaspar never quite trusted him, but maybe maybe he's just matured in the last year, which you could understand, given he was, what, 18 when he left Atalanta, and, what, 20, 19 when he left Atalanta, he's 20 now, so it's understandable, but, um, yeah, Dejan Kulusevsky, I love you. I'm going to miss watching you every week. And it's going to be heartbreaking to see you guide Juventus to the Scudetto next season. But that is absolutely what is going to happen because he is a phenomenon. And if not, um, you guys have every right to say anything you want to me in a couple of years if if he flops. Because he's not going to. Anyway, second place is a straight battle between... Well, it's not actually. It's still between Atalanta... Napoli, or no, Atalanta Inter and Lazio because Atalanta and Inter, of course, play each other on the final day. So if they draw and Lazio win, Lazio takes second. But Inter, Kev, they beat the team that I mentioned. No, Vito, sorry, they beat the team I mentioned accidentally, Napoli. Um, but the Partenope are an interesting case because they've switched off since winning the Coppa Italia and they've got the Champions League in a week's time. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Their reform hasn't been impressive since the Coppa Italia victory, and uh, I'd like to think that, excuse me, that they are putting their eggs in the Champions League basket because Barcelona are still a strong side to go against despite the off-field issues and their inability to win La Liga this season. So I doubt the Partenopei are going to be complacent uh, against Barca. So. Hopefully, this uh, latest run of form in Serie A is just more them having their minds elsewhere as opposed to them really not getting into the gear of things. Peter, do you think it's possible, though, to to do that thing where you just like switch on and decide, OK, now we're up for it? Because they've kind of been coasting for a while. So to switch mm. on for a Champions League knockout tie is not the easiest thing to do. In general circumstances, uh, I would agree. Uh, not many teams can uh, switch on in a flash, but uh, this is where Italian teams can be a bit funny or unconventional that you think they're in a bad patch of form, uh, they get written off by the fans and by the press, and then all of a sudden everything just clicks it to gear. And also being a cup competition... Um, you know, it's just one of those things with cup competitions. It's just, you know, it's sort of you got those 90 minutes to really decide your future. It's not like the league where you've got, just got to play game by game. Um, it's one of those things where on any given moment or on any given day that uh, you just elevate yourself and your mindset's better and everything else clicks for the team. So it might be possible. Yeah, but they finished 2 0 to Inter. Lautaro Martinez scored the second, and um, but if you saw his celebration, he he gave it the you talk, you talk, you talk with his with a hand gesture. But I mean, people were right to talk because he's been pretty rubbish since the Barcelona speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I kind of hadn't um, put two and two together with the. Uh... All the speculation around the move to to Barca, but I did see him do the uh, the gesture after he sort of hit that strike, and I thought, well, come on, lad, I think you've scored. Uh, oh God, I, I, the stat I had the other week when we do I was doing player ratings for Inter, but is it is it one once or four times since he hit a? Br- I think it was when we were Sampdoria, and I mean he hit a brace at the start of the season, and he he'd only scored four goals in to- total since then domestically. Mm. Um, and all that early promise, whether he was partnering uh, Lukaku or Sanchez early in the season, it seemed to be he seemed to be the common denominator that could work with both of them. And you know the goals just dried up. So um, it's not what you want to see. Maybe when someone's had an, an obvious poor run of form, uh, and you know they necessarily feel that they're being picked upon by the media. Maybe that he should have just ran back to the halfway line and tried to get another as quickly as possible. But... Peter, 
Sam Thoria hosted Milan and they lost 4-1. What happened to your boys here? Ranieri doesn't lose by 4-1. to one. It's a rare occurrence for him, but bear in mind, early in the season we lost 5-1 to Lazio and also 5-1 to Fiorentina under him. So either way, he's probably been breaking some of his own bad records. Um, we can ponder about the what-ifs. For instance, uh, Gonzalo Maroni had a tame penalty saved by Gianluigi Donnarumma. And then um, there was the Norwegian starlet that scored a lovely uh, long-range goal. Let me get his name again. Sorry, listeners. Uh, Christopher Askildsen. Uh, it was a fantastic shot by him. So if that penalty went in, would have gone back to 3-2. But... Uh, I think uh, Milan really deserve credit for the run of form they've had since the uh, return of the pandemic. And without sounding like too much of a broken record, Ibrahimovic and Chalkanoglu have continued a good form in recent games. Yeah, Kev, Ibra's too good for Milan to let him just walk away. Um, yeah, well, yeah, with what they're probably likely to be able to bring in. Um, and if he's willing, then yes, keep him. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to leave it there rather than be negative and just say... So, You're okay? Well, yeah, I, I, I'm feeling positive. Maybe it's the lack of facial hair and... Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling like a new man, Connor. So, um, yeah, if Ibra's going to stay, let's face it, if he's going to go and play in the Swedish league, um, it, it, there's something there, obviously, because it's the the country that he uh, was born and grew up in. I'm going to probably have got that wrong with the Bomba. Um, but, but you know, quality-wise, he still wants to be performing at this level. And uh, Milan are also going to have European football. So stick around uh, Zlatan. Yeah, good. I like new positive care, probably on a short-term basis. But anyway, there you go. Uh, Lazio beat Brescia 2-0. Chiro Mobile now within what? I think he's two goals off or one goal off the the record from Gonzalo Aguirre. I think he's one goal off, two to beat it. Yeah, um, two to beat it. Thank you. Thank you very much. But obviously, the, the narrative is, as our very own Alistair McKenzie pointed out, he's going back to his hometown, Napoli, to take on the Parthenope, and he's got the chance to beat the record, which is currently held by Gonzalo Aguirre. So it's as Alistair said, it's too good for him not to do it, right? Yeah, it's like it's something that's written in the stars, as people would say. Or it's just it's destiny. So I think it would be an interesting narrative if uh, Immobile can end up scoring 37 goals for this season. So, yeah, quite, in, uh, quite impressive. And uh, even if he doesn't uh, break the record, I think it's still... A fantastic achievement on his part to be still stuck on 35 because he's equaled the previous record, which was uh, held by Gunnar Nordahl, the Swedish striker for AC Milan in 1949-50. So at least he's in that top three for goals scored in the season. So that will still be an achievement. But yeah, yeah, I think it would be even better if he actually does go on to beat the record. Just uh, instead of being that sort of, he nearly got there, at least say he did get there. So that would be much better. There you go. Roma beat Torino away 3-2. Our friend Chris Smalling scored. Um, 
Edin Dzeko, Amadou Diawaga the others. Again, no goal for Andrea Balotti. Kev, you have cursed Il Gallo. Um, so apologies on Kev's behalf to Andrea Balotti and all Torino supporters. But uh, Roma wore their new away shirts. And I have to say, Nike have smashed it out of the park again with Roma's away shirts. To, to their credit, they, they deliver every single season with home and away for Roma, and next year is no different. We discussed the home shirt last week, but Kev, you're quite a fan of the away kit, I see. So um, I've got a bone to pick with you. Yeah. Because you would identify as something of a, a traditionalist, right? You don't very much like change. Uh, a little, yeah. So why are you praising Roma for completely changing their crest? Uh, well, they've kept the crest on the home shirt, um, but it's Italy, so they're well. They will wear the away shirt more often than the home. Well, they're, well, they're Roma also, also who uh, seem to wear their away kit more than the home. But um, yeah, I, I don't know that. But is this a return to a traditional badge? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So is. <laughs> probably being uber traditionalist uh, in liking the. In liking the uh, the return to just the, uh, the wolf's head, but you like the kit. Yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm quite a fan of uh, sort of sort of min- minimalist style, uh, you know, and a, and a bit of a collar. Um, my only problem with that when you know in my younger days when I used to buy more football shirts was uh, for something that just looks like a polo shirt with a couple of logos and a an advertisement on it is it worth the uh oh i don't know what they retail at now about 70 euros but yeah. uh, i could probably be tempted a bit like my columbia shirt when it goes down on sale in a couple of years <laughs> what's quite impressive about the roma shirt is that it's not actually white it looks white but it's not and i saw a couple of like edited versions of the photo whereas if the shirt was white white it wouldn't look half as good as the slightly off white that it is it's it's an amazing piece of work. If you've not seen it, go and search for almost two kits for, for next season. I'm excited about the third, given the standards they showed this year. Next year should be something special as well. But um, Fiorentina, I mean, their game meant nothing against Bologna. They won 4-0 and Federico Chiesa scored a hat-trick. It's nice of them to start delivering Vito once the games don't mean anything. <laughs> Oh, well, it was about time that he added something onto the score sheet because he has that raw talent. But uh, one of the things really missing from his game is goals, not just assists. He's really got to have that direct score involvement to really improve as a player and to really show that he is a superb talent. So you could question the quality of Bologna's defending, especially with uh, one or two of the goals at least. But I think on a... Technical level, I think there were still some fine strikes. And uh, uh, like um, Kulusevsky in the previous round, he scored a nice bending, curling goal. So I really love those type of goals where they just bend into the top corner. So, yeah, really enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, just hopefully at least for next season, he actually tries and replicate that sort of form because he does have that talent. He can be one of the best Italian players of his generation, but... He's got to stop showing in patches. He needs to start delivering and needs to believe that he can be the difference maker. Yeah, well, James Horncastle pointed out on Twitter, actually, quite a nice statistic, which is that 
Federico Chiesa has followed in his father's footsteps, obviously Enrico Chiesa, by scoring a Serie A hat-trick. They are now joining the Mazzolas, Sandro and Valentino, in the father and son hat-trick stakes. Uh, both father and son scored hat-tricks in Serie A and Kev, it's a nice little statistic. Yeah, it's... Um... It's probably nicer than some of the others that people roll out. You know, your, your, your general ones for, you know, a bit like Chiro Mobley's, the top scorers and things. And um, Chiesa is very much in that sort of the other side of the Kulisewski bracket where you would watch him and think, you know, can he kick on if he goes elsewhere and who might go for him rather than we know where he's going and uh, off to Juve. But um, I think he either needs to get away from Fiorentina or... Um, have a have a really big year for them next year. But Kev, yeah. what do you actually think of Chiesa? Because he's often criticised for having no end product, and I think too often that is true. His end product is lacking. But then there are some people who will fight to the death to protect Little Federico. Um, Alistair McKenzie wrote recently that he's been misused at right wing back this season, but he's also been used at, on the right of a front three a lot and he's never really shown to to deliver on the potential we all thought he had so is Chiesa just like benefiting because he was promising when he broke through and he's is he ever going to reach the levels that people expected him to I think part of the issue is that um, he's, he's clearly talented um, he's he's full of energy so he gets, you know, he, he gets around the pitch a lot. So you see him a lot. He's always on the ball. I think mean, he's clearly aware of his talent, but then with the lesser talents around him, potentially does too much. And when we're talking about him being wasteful, now I don't have st- the statistics in front of me, but sometimes it's because everything goes through him, whether that's a, a um, sort of everyone looking to pass to him or him trying to go out, go in on alone, then maybe he... Um, He's probably his, his conversion ratios, you know, looks worse than others. And and if you put him in a better side, maybe with better coaching, there is um something to be said in choosing when to sort of run, press, and harry opposition, and doing that with the support of your colleagues, so you're not, you know, doing everything. Um, and that's where that's the sort of the where I fear he's going with Fiorentina. He'll stay there, continuing to be that big fish, but never really having those around him to fully get the most out of the talents at his disposal. Fair enough. Fair enough. Elsewhere, um, Cagliari beat Juventus 2-0. But Vito, I mean, does this matter at all? No. You will have the title <laughs> wrapped up. And for, for Cagliari, be just no more than just a bit of pride just to say that they bet you there. So... At least that's going to look good for them in the record books. And uh, uh, the kid that was involved in both goals, Luca Galliano, scoring the first and then providing the pass for Giovanni Simeone for the second, um, he'll definitely have a game to remember. Uh-huh. I'm happy Simeone scored. I quite like him, but I've, I've never been so indifferent to a scoreline before than seeing this win. Um, but Kev, I do think you actually want to, to chime in on Juve. Um, yeah, well, it's it's on Juve, it's on it's on Inter, um, because there's a there's watching games at the end of the season when there's nothing riding on them, and we call it probably an end of season feel, 
um, you've now got this additional where it's quite obvious in some cases that we're watching games at the end of the season, but also a season that is going to be 38 games, but is going to run over 12 months. And the players are clearly uh, not necessarily just tired, but disrupted by the sort of how, how long the season's dragged on for. And then when we were talking earlier about into doing this, I think actually this is where the the format of the European competitions this uh, you know upcoming month could actually help those sides that you know like Juve, uh, like Bayern Munich in the past, where they've had their their leagues wrapped up or they've had their domestic position wrapped up for so long that when it comes to sort of playing in European competition, they sort of lose a first leg of a quarter final or a semi final towards the latter end stage of the season. Whereas this now allows them to almost down tools, as we probably saw with Juventus tonight, and actually focus on this sort of little mini tournament, providing Juve get past Leon, where you've not got to worry about away goals because the quarters and the semis are going to be over one leg. And you've just got to focus on beating your direct opponent, not maybe having a strategy for being away and strategy for being at home. Um, so I think while we're seeing them sort of lower their efforts for the final few weeks um i can see exactly why they are doing it but it's it's kind of what we were saying about napoli you know it's it's easier said than done to just down tools and then pick up and be ready to go in a champions league knockout game particularly against leon who themselves have been preparing for this Juve game for the last six months well, well, absolutely. This isn't just this isn't just a benefit to Italian sides. I think everybody going into that knockout tournament. But we've seen Juve fall at either the final hurdle or the sort of semi-finals because they've probably wrapped up their league and the intensity's down. Whereas, actually, I think this format for those clubs that are in it are left in the competition. Maybe, maybe slightly less so for the clubs that have still got to play a last sixteen tie or a tie where. The um, you know they've got to overturn a deficit, but once you get in there, I I actually think even though it is difficult to sort of lower, it's it, it's almost no different to what they what they were planning for when the when the league restarted. I know you they were a little bit sluggish at the start, but um, I I think it almost makes this the the the, the quarterfinal stages once we get to those teams in the Champions League and the Europa League more even than probably ever before. Mm. Yeah, well, <laughs> you may have to get there first, right? They're one nil down from the first leg against Leon. Obviously, no away goals either. So, if, if Leon scores, it's one of the few games left where away goals could play a big part. Obviously, as you said, after that, they don't count for nothing because everyone is away. But uh, right, the other game was uh, Verona beat Spal three 0 but really, Verona even care about that? I'm not so sure. So, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to move on to the game, boys. Um, We've oh. had some feedback. Kev, were you about to say something? No, I'd forgotten about the game. And uh, so I was talking to myself, but my, my mic is on. Well, you like this game, don't you? Uh, I I prefer it. Like is strong. We're only two We've games. had some feedback. The same person who, who said they quite like the new game also said bring back the old game. So I don't, I don't know what the people feel. But anyway, if you like the game, let us know. If you don't, let Kev know. I still agree with you. So, you know the rules. that I'm going to tell you a fixture. Uh, Vito is in the lead because he won last time. So, 
Vito gets to decide which of the team's starting 11s he would like to name. And then Kev names the other, the person who successfully names the most of the starting 11 gets the win. Pretty self-explanatory, I think, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, guys, you know the rules. Show me your show me your hands. I need to see this. I, yeah, but not just for now while we're playing the game. Well, I, I like, don't want this What? I like to write. Yeah, well, I could, I could, I know, but the way Vito sits, it's. We've already, we've already got, uh, we've already addressed the fact that I can't see what either of you are doing anyway. Vito could be, could be doing whatever he likes. So at the moment, I've got him froze, looking like he's about to sort of suck on a. Okay, Kev. Well, yeah, but but I can see you both, right? So okay, I'm the referee too, so it doesn't matter what you can see. If Vito's paid me, you don't need to know about that. He's not paid me, so don't Give worry me. about it. What? Give me the teams. Relax. <laughs> right. Um, it is a it's a very very recent one this time because Kev is very grumpy. So and you're drunk. We're go- I'm not drunk, excuse oh. you. We're going back two... I was drunk. We're going back two years to the, the 22nd of April 2018. It was a game at the Allianz Stadium in Turin where Napoli of Maurizio Sarri went up and beat Massimiliano Allegri's Juve 1-0. And it made us believe for the slightest of moments that there was a title race until I believe Napoli went on and lost the following week and Juve won the title despite Napoli getting 91 points the highest tally anyone has ever gotten and not won Serie A it was crazy so Kev no not Kev I don't care about you Vito the question <laughs> for you is whose 11 would you like to name Napoli or Juve's Napoli okay right I, do, I, I see why you've done that um okay so I'm not gonna say yes or no until the very very end but can you name your 11 Please. Okay. Um, I'll say Pepperino in goal. Um, the back line, I'd go Husai, Albiol, Koulibaly, um, Gulam. No, actually, can I cross that one out? Or, do, or is that fine? I have to accept the first name you say. Uh, okay. All right, Gulam. All right, fine. I think that was he did his knee. But anyway, all right. Midfield, Alan Jorginho Hamsik. Frontline, Cajon, Mertens, Insigne. Okay, thank you very much, Vito. Okay, Kev, you have to name the Juventus team from that day, please. Um, And as I said, I think you named about 13 players last week, so behave yourself, think before you speak. Okay, I'll just... Well, I didn't realise we we only had to do the 11. Um, I I thought we had a minute to name as many as we could and then you were going to just tick them off. Okay, so I'm going to assume Buffon in goal. Lichsteiner, right wing back. Benucci, Chiellini, and possibly Barzagli, given the, the importance of the game. But it might have been a bit late for Barzagli. Uh, Asamara on the left. Pirlo, Pjanic. Uh, let's go Dybala and Higuain up front and then there's one other player and Marquisio unless he was injured I think that's that, 11 I think that's 11 okay it's not 11 uh, points three, three, two. 11 
Right. Um, Evra might be in there, actually. Who? Evra. Right, he's not, anyway, so don't worry about it. Okay, the Juventus team, I think you're thinking about 2016. They mm. played a 4-2-3-1, mm. so it's unfortunate immediately for you. Uh, I'm going to name 10 of the players and see if either of you can guess the right back on the day. But Gigi Buffon, three of the back four were Benatia, Chiellini and Asamoah. Holding midfielder Sami Kadera, Miralem Pjanic. The three behind Higuain were apparently Douglas Costa, Paolo Dybala, Blaise Matuidi. And the striker was Gonzalo Higuain. Can you guys name the right back? It's going to be Caceres, is it? No, I would have given you a point if he said it. It was, do you remember Hoedes? The German. Oh, no. He, oh, he, yeah, he had that short spill. Benedict. Yeah. I can't, yeah, yeah, Benedict, yeah. yeah. One yeah. of his few games came... In, in that one, shockingly yeah. enough. I, I went so, too early there. I went about two years earlier. Yeah, you did. You did. I think even just one year early, maybe. But Kev, you finish on a total of, unfortunately, uh, six points. Oh, well. Six points. Uh, Vito got 10. So <laughs> the only mistake Vito made, he tried to correct as well. So Mario Rui did not, did play at, at fullback on the left. The team was Pepe Reina. Uh, Isai, Albiol, Koulibaly, Mario Rui, Alan, Jorginho, Hamshik, Callihan, Mertens, and Lorenzo Insigne. So it's 2 0 to the Doria. Kev, how you feel? Fine. Fine. You don't seem fine. I'm all right. Yeah. I haven't right. seen the prize, so. Uh... You what? I haven't seen the prize that Vito wins, so until I... <laughs> he's I got a, he's already got it. Trophy. Vito, hold up, hold up your, your prize. It's there. You've been drinking out of it for the last couple of months. Well, I can't see him anyway. So You've just... not got one anyway, Kev, because you're, you're a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and then the no pro- comment from Kev. <laughs> Kev, you okay? I've been called a lot of things in my time. You know I love you, really, right? Mm. Yes, you're crushing my new positive spirit. <laughs> right. Look, if it makes you feel any better, Kev, um, if it was a Premier League one, I would have a lot of issues. So, yeah. Oh, I might. I, I, only, I only really watch uh, my team. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, any more for any more? <laughs> No, all done. All done. I think we're back on Sunday night. The penultimate game week. Yeah, the penultimate game week. We're not the penultimate pod. So we've got two more, boys. Uh, Round 38 review and then the season review as well, both to come next week. So listeners, we will speak to you. Well, we'll speak to you on Sunday. You'll hear us on Monday. Um, So see you soon. Ciao, ciao, everyone. Que no se siente caliente Los muchachos de autogol El Papu con DJ Matrix Y Ricky Go, let's go, let's go Goleador
andiamo a vincere questo fan da calcio. Grazie Papu, grazie, 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 grazie. Non devi ringraziare, vale con me. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.